Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. All right, what the fuckers, what the fucking ears, what the fuck buddies, whatever the fuck you want to be called. Uh, I'm happy you're all here. This is Mark Marin. Obviously, this is WTF. The podcast you are listening to, I appreciate your support and listenership. I have been bullied. I have been coerced. I have been cajoled and talked into seeing the movie Avatar because I was accused of contempt prior to investigation. Now, I want you to know something. I am not a guy who is geared to or uh, ever desires to watch animation or cartoons. I don't care how amazing they are. I don't care how great the technology is. It's just not my bag. I'm a visceral dude. I think that's the right word. I like human stuff. The more human, the better. The more I feel engaged in a human way, the better I feel. Not as a human watching a spectacle, uh, but as a person who is engaging with other persons in something that seems to be revealing about human beings. So I was accused of this contempt prior to investigation because I was uh, criticizing Avatar because of the amount of money it costs and because that was the primary pitch of the movie, which was like, we got this new technology, it's 3D, it's amazing, it cost a half a billion dollars. You got to be an idiot if you're not going to come see how we spent a half a billion dollars because it's going to be spectacular. Everyone around the world should see how this great American industry, the movie industry, spent a half a billion dollars. Come on, you children, you little boys and girls. We spent a lot of money to make this incredible dangling set of keys that feels like you can touch them right in front of you. Come on, you infantilized population. Come, come gaze upon this tremendous waste of money. I'm sort of uh, all jacked up on, hold on. Pow! Oh, I just shit my pants and I'm sweating. This cup of coffee from JustCoffee.coop is better than Avatar in terms of bringing me joy and something tangible. Uh, it is fair trade coffee. You can go to WTF Pod and uh, link up with that. Uh, later in this podcast, uh, we will be... Uh, I, I Right when I went to the movie, I went to the movie with my buddy Kyle Kinane. Uh, right after the movie, we sat in my car with the rig and we had a conversation just after the movie for the 20 minutes where I still remembered the movie. On this show, we've got Matt Bronger, a very funny man. He's going to be here. I'm, uh, I'm excited about that. And also, as we go out here, uh, as you know, we changed the music and uh, some people are digging it. Uh, a lot of you are digging it. I appreciate uh, you know all the, uh, the kudos on the music choice. But we are going to be playing some of the other choices uh, that we had in terms of uh, creating new theme music. And right now, we're going to go out with uh, Phil Schultz from Chicago uh, uh, his piece, and we will be including more of your music that you submitted in future shows. This is what show business has become. Uh, in in my garage right now is uh, Matt Bronger. Hi, Matt Bronger. Yeah. Is that how you say Matt? Matt Bronger? Bronger, yeah. Because I remember there's a period of time there where I was like, is it Bronger? Is it? And then there's an N there, and I don't know why I insisted it was Bronger. Well, because it's uh, the way it's supposed to be pronounced, it would be like Bronger or whatever, because it's, you know, with the N and then the G right after, but it's it's just how it's the name's been said. 
What fin- kind of you know, ridiculous name is that? It's a German name, uh, and and I don't know a lot about it. I know Braun means ger- means German. What? I know Braun means brown, but I don't know what Ger is. So right. it's it maybe it, usually it's a, it's something ridiculous like it translates to brown guy. Brown guy or right. <laughs> man of the brown. Man of the brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt, man of the brown, is here, and he's not brown. No, he's uh, he's quite white. Yeah. And uh, I've seen you recently. I didn't uh, I didn't know of you. And generally, when I I talk to to comics that I, I enjoy, I'm in, I'm in a new period in my life where I actually enjoy watching other comics. Oh, that's great. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah. Well, see, I'm always trying to keep keep the 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 um the idea that you can never stop being a, a fan because there is that tendency and i'm as privy to that as anyone to watch stuff and i immediately go like oh you know fuck this guy or yeah, like yeah. you know what 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 that premise sucks or you know whatever but it's like i kind of am just getting you know i'm i make myself listen yeah and get into it you know but you know it is it is a struggle especially when you know there's someone that's you know getting a lot more success than you or whatever. And oh, yeah, kind the, of... that's what I call the resentment factor. Yes, exactly. So that, I, try to, I try to put that aside. <laughs> that is the, 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 uh, the, it's a factor that happens primarily, it happens in everybody, but in talented people who decide to be self-employed, the resentment factor can overwhelm them. Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't go into an office every day and say like, all right, he's, he just got a promotion, now I'm going to work my hardest or I'm going to, or I'm going to poison his coffee. With us, we're just sitting at home going, why the fuck didn't I get yeah. that? I mean, who the... <laughs> How the, why the fuck does that guy? I mean, that's not even a funny thing that motherfucker does. <laughs> and I think that that when you cross the line to uh, to actually being able to enjoy someone else's performance, it uh, it shows that you are growing up yourself. And no, that you have a little more confidence. Absolutely, and and it, and you realize, you know, that it's 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 not even it's not worth it because I know people, you know, living in Hollywood that resent people aren't even on 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 on. on good levels they're resenting him like sure. you and i might resent someone as who's like a white guy who's like you know our ages you know or whatever and or something like that but it's like when a a friend of mine was was jealous that a, a guy we work with on a on a play got cast in the show heroes that show heroes right you know? right and he got he's he's an asian guy and he got cast in the role of a japanese man and i'm like were you gunning for that dude yeah. Because you're white. Because you weren't going to get it. I'm just saying, you know, they weren't. That, that is, you know. a, it's an important, uh, it's an important obstacle to cross. The idea that, like, not all casting means that you're available for everything. Yeah. That yeah. if you're resenting a guy that gets cast as the old man. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, you know, I went up for that. I'm like, well, they they chose to go with the old guy because they always yeah. send you out on those things where it's like they don't know what they want yet. But yeah, it exactly. Says old guy. It says old guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you're in the in the waiting area with five guys who you've seen in like six movies a piece you're yeah, like yeah. It's you not probably no you know i mean it's you're what they you're what they call filler they're waiting they've already got a deal in place and they're waiting for someone to uh to take the offer but uh, the casting agent has to look like they're still working exactly exactly and and maybe put you in the room with that guy so that guy might take less money you know <laughs> <Exactly>. like, <laughs> like did you see the young guy out front he is hungry yeah. he's gonna do this thing for a sandwich <laughs> he's gonna do this whole movie <laughs> For a guaranteed sandwich and a bite for his agent, and he's good. Mm. Well, the one thing I, I noticed about watching you, and and because I'm fairly new to uh, a lot of people, uh, comedy wise, because uh, somewhere along the line, I, I lost like five years. Oh. Like I, I, there was this five year black hole where I didn't see that there were only the comics that I came up with. Sure, you know that my generation, whatever that may be, I'm old enough to say that there is a generation of people that are more successful than me. I don't want to mention names <laughs> because I'm still processing some of that resentment. But you're uh, uh, of a new wave. You're a new, <laughs> like how old are you? If you want to be, I'm, no, I'm I'm 35. I mean, I'm 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 like, it's one of those things where I've I've been around for I've been doing it like 10 years, yeah. and it's you don't really get noticed until you've done it for like 
six or seven generally, or like five, you know between five and seven years, with with some exceptions. You know, right. all this that the wonderkins that just come out of nowhere, and it's just like wow, they're so great, so fast. Which I'm so glad I was not that person. Well, sometimes you get the initial attention when you've been doing it two years, right? Yes, right, and yes. then and then like you know either that they give you too much money to be uh, at the level you're at, mm-hmm. and then you you squander it, and you, and you don't you disappoint everybody, yeah, and then you've got to go back to the shed for five years, exactly, and figure out how to do the job. Yeah, I mean, starting out in Chicago. Oh wait a minute, I got. What? That's right. He's he's one of the uh, <laughs> the new Chicago school. Now now this is a, a phenomenon. I don't know if you, a lot of you people realize because you're you're not necessarily comedy people uh, in the sense that that uh, the business. But Chicago, the idea of Chicago and the Chicago comedy community has infiltrated stand-up and television and movies on all levels. Yeah, there was a time where it was New York, and then you'd go from New York to L.A. and stand-up was really. Uh, a New York thing, and then people would go to L.A. and, and find the success. But but Chicago is like a a sketch and stand up manufacturing plant. Yeah, it's insidious. It's well, pretty crazy. Well, I think that a lot of it comes from the fact that, and and I and, and I uh, and I'm actually in support of the the idea that that Chicago has a very strong sketch community because of Second City. Mm-hmm. So they're generating these people that can that can perform as comedians and perform in sketches, which means. Uh, it's which is completely contrary to, to general idea of comedy because comics are selfish, <clears throat> yeah. not sharing sure. bastards. Sure, sure. But there are people that that because of the sketch background can write, they can perform, they can do stand up, they can produce, and it's almost uh, and it's always been there. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of the SNL thing, a lot of people have come out of Chicago, but now I see it more and more. But you for originally from there? No, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. The, the dark place. The dark place. Yes, the yeah. uh, the the overcast land. Let's as, let's think for a while and have some heroin. As as Dwyer puts it, the land of white people with black feet. That's uh, um, Matt Dwyer. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, and uh, he kind of nailed it there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up there and went. Actually, went to school outside of New York City, and then what does uh, that mean? Uh, like White Plains. You went to school in White Plains, near White Plains, at in, SUNY in Purchase, near SUNY, a little college called Manhattanville. It's a tiny, tiny. So school. you fucked up in high school. No, well, yeah, no, yeah, yeah definitely. But also, like, I, I, my big thing was I got accepted in, uh, in, in New York, and I just uh, a friend of um, the family just gave me some of the best advice. He's like, if you're going to go to college, go as far from home as you can. Oh, absolutely, you know. And it did. It was great. It gave me a ton of perspective. Because I did, I did the small college for the first year because I was one of those guys that. For some reason, even given the background I had, after three years of high school, I was like, I'm not fucking going to college. Fuck that. Yeah. And then that last year, that panic set in where it's like, oh, well, I'm going to have to stay here. That's Yeah. I have to get out of here. Everyone goes to a fun new place? Yeah, I got to go. If, yeah. if my parents are going to throw for it, I'm fucking leaving. Yeah, yeah. No so I, I got out. I kicked ass my last year of high school. Oh, you're I, nice. I, I, uh, I transcended expectations of the, uh, <laughs> Mark just, uh, you know, he, he has a, what was a motivational problem. <laughs> and I locked in and focused. Nice. Did you? Uh, I kind of, I kind of had to, but I, um, I mean, I, I can't, what did I have? Like, I think I had like a, like a high C average or something like that, which was enough to, whoop, you know, get, get into, you into certain Manhattan, things. Manhattanville, <laughs> Manhattanville. Yeah. which actually was a really, it actually was a really good college. It was tiny, but had like really good teachers uh-huh. that cared, you know, really good professors. It just itself was very isolated, like huge stone wall around it. Nothing but English manners. In the distance, through the right. mist right. around the schools, a, a small There's... academic fortress of of not not very well known small academic yeah. fortress. Well, the guy that designed the campus designed Central Park, so the campus was really pretty. But it literally was it, there a it used was there to be a, a zoo. No, here's the thing: it used to be it was the original guy who owned it was a rich guy yeah. who he had this land, and all he would do is ship like exotic animals to shoot. 
on his grounds. So that's why it has all these rolling hills and things. So it's like this uh, weird private game reserve? It, Yeah. I mean, there weren't, of course, any animals there anymore, but this was like, I don't know, 1800s or something. Are you serious? So yeah. The, like, I know that some people stock ponds, but this guy actually stocked land with yeah. like cheetahs and elephants and, and, rhinos. and lions and just walk around with his, with his little crew of guys in short pants and just blast them. I that guess. is way cheating. It's awful. Yeah. It's awful because it's not like he, he's not like, you know, bind me to a tree and yeah. leave me only a knife. <laughs> <laughs> release the leopard at 2 a.m. You know, like, you know, he wasn't like that cool, he, hardcore guy. He was shooting giraffes from his porch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he was like the the, peop, the, the, the early travelers in, a, in, a, in the American West shooting buffalo from the train, you know, while they bastards. Ugh, the worst. So you go there. You're, you're outside of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. You're going in on weekends. Yeah. Getting drunk, throwing up on people. Totally. Going to, going to comedy clubs. Basically, no. Back then, I was just a stupid actor. I just was like, uh, I'm, re- I'm really going to be an actor, and that's going to be my life, you know? And, you know, and, and what just... do you think of that? <clears throat> I, I mean, tell me the truth. I mean, am I wrong in, in, in noticing that most actors are just vapid, empty vessels? Well, it's big here. It's definitely big here because <laughs> like you, can, you say that like it's a popularity. Well, it's thing. like vapid people come here to to exceed to be, vapid people. Yeah, well, it's it's just funny how here there, as opposed to the Chicago and the New York actors, and in various other places you go, you don't find you don't find the the actor spirituality, which translates to things are going to work out for me because the universe wants me to be a star. Right. The universe wants me to be interviewed by E! Entertainment News. Yeah, Hollywood is my daddy. That's Yeah, yeah and so daddy's going to buy me presents. Exactly. And, yeah. and and there's that vapidness because really the only goal is for you to be famous you right. know, for a lot of these people. So it's, it's like when you have that goal, <clears throat> it's like where um, there's no worth in that. You know, there's like that, um, no, you're just an empty shell of a person that's being celebrated for being somebody else, and inside you have nothing. Mm-hmm. But you have to keep up the pretense of of being artistic and actually trying to create something of worth <laughs> yeah. that'll that'll make people's lives better. But you're not. No. Some, I mean, I really love, <clears throat> excuse me, like really good actors. Like when someone nails it, like I'm watching a movie, I'm just like, wow, that's great. Like what have or, you seen lately? Um, I uh, just saw Up in the Air. Okay, with, uh, yeah, uh, Clooney and like yeah. everybody in that movie's good. Like yeah. there's that new uh, young girl. I don't yeah. know her name, but she's amazing. Yeah, I'm like watching. Her, I'm like I've known girls like that. I know people that are wound that tight, but they're good people, but they get bad advice. You know, so it's like I'm I'm immediately relating. I, I honestly I've seen that movie three times. And I agree with what you're saying. I don't mean to uh, to sidetrack the conversation. No, no. But I've seen it because I got a screener and and other people want to see it. Yeah, know, for free in my house. I don't charge them because I'm not allowed to because of the union rules. <laughs> sure, but yeah, I, yeah. But I want to. Uh, but but I've watched it three times, and I, each time I resent that woman even more. Not the young woman, but the woman that misled George oh, Clooney. Yeah. Like this idea that, you know, when she gets on the phone with him and says, uh, I'm an adult. I'm like, really? What kind of fucking adult yeah. misleads a guy that's got nothing, mm-hmm. goes to a family wedding with him, knowing full well what that meant emotionally, yeah. and, then, and then does that? Lies to him the whole way. You know, fuck her. <laughs> yeah, and I just felt bad. I, I guess I'm very sensitive to the heartbroken male thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I, I, I'm with you, brother. Did you see Crazy Heart yet? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Oh, but, I, but I love, I mean, Jeff Bridges, forget it. And then you start to realize, like, that whole thing about, like, because I'm, I'm older than you by 10 years, but I'm not saying that you haven't been through a couple relationships. Sure. But, but you start to realize just that, that when your heart really gets busted. Yeah. That you know you don't have any real control over the pain you're going to go through, yeah. and and you don't really know if you're going to be able to reintegrate into a relationship again. Have yeah. you had that experience? Oh, n- absolutely. Have absolutely. you ha- have you been in love more than once? Uh, yes, for real. Yeah, I think so. And you got heartbroken twice. Uh, well, three times if you count high school, but 
it's one of those things where you kind of discount high school and you don't think uh, you don't you're like oh you were a kid but you you know you had the same heart you yeah. know and it's oh, like yeah. you, you I mean but it was I so was, open then. but that was the <laughs> first yeah yeah and that's the thing I was the first time I felt that kind of pain and it was just new and I was like this is a real thing that yeah. people deal with yeah. What the fuck do you do? Yeah, yeah, you're like handicapped for years. Yeah, I mean, if you get hit by a car and you break a leg, like people run over and go, "Oh shit!" Yeah, put him on the truck. Let's all help out. Right. You're heartbroken. That's it. That's Wait. it. It's just you wandering around, oh, just yeah. going, "My ah, there my she, chest." And you, yeah, you're wandering around, going, "Ow, my chest." I'm like, "Oh, there she is. There she is." Oh, oh yeah. Oh god. And you have this two minds. One, the mind knows what you should be doing. Let's move on. Let's forget her. And the other mind that's like, fuck her. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get away from him. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, dog. I still want to control things. You know, I, I want things it, like I want them. It's all about control, yeah. isn't it? It's all about control and pride. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. my God. And it sucks when you realize that the only and best thing you can do is just let go and keep, you know, because you don't want to so bad. And you can't you until know? it happens naturally. Yeah. And even now, I have dreams about my ex-wife. Really? And I, you know, I feel like, you know, I have some closure around most of it, but I'll have a dream. And they're never anything really weird other than she's just there. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I make it yeah. sad? No. Let's no, no, no. Because I, 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 had, I had a girlfriend in Chicago that uh, we broke. I broke up with her, and then we got back together, and then she broke up with me. And I, there was that time of where I was just like, Oh shit. Oh, so this isn't ever again? No, you know. And I would have those dreams where we'd just be hanging out. Right. And we'd just be hanging out and I'd wake up and then she wasn't there. And I was like, oh, son of a God bitch. Damn it. And I was mad at my brain where I was yeah. like, stop giving me these fucking dreams where I think it's cool. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I, I would imagine it's, you know, on a way lesser level, it's almost, you know, not to draw a bad analogy, but like someone that, you know, loses a limb. Yeah. And they have a dream where they're using yeah. both arms. They wake up and they're like, cocksucker. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Damn it! Your heart becomes a phantom limb. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, I thought I had one. I thought this I thought, was. Oh, oh no, I don't. <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, yeah. It's it's just it's it's sort of devastating where you think you've processed something, but deep down in your brain, the yeah. part the part of your brain that's actually still connected to the part of your heart that isn't completely shattered, sure, is sort of like, hey, what's up? Hey, you remember her? Right? Oh, it's okay if I bring this up, right? No, it isn't. No, it isn't. You're part of me. It's like a little. It's like a little annoying friend that keeps forgetting shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, how are things going with you? You and a shut up, man. Yeah. I I can't remind you again. We're not together. I thought we had an understanding here. I locked you away in a in a small cell in my being, and you were not to bother me anymore with this woman. <laughs> I saw, I sat you down and I I briefed you yeah you know what do i do do i need to put a metal helmet on your head do you need to be a count of monte cristo in a dungeon in my heart <laughs> i refuse to hear he's, from you anymore he's a count of monte cristo with horrible short-term memory <laughs> yeah he just yeah, keeps yeah, coming yeah. around hey yeah, so uh, uh so you ever think about it you, you guys all go on a picnic <laughs> why not get out i'm bitter angry guy now it's <laughs> all on my terms yeah <laughs> I started talking about that last night, uh, you know, on stage because yeah. we did a show together. A great to, show. Just oh to... boy. Oh really? Now, let me uh, see if I can set a stage for the audience. <laughs> uh, Matt and I were at a place called John Lovitz's Comedy Club, which I didn't really know existed until somebody told me about it. And it's at the uh, Universal Walk. Is it called the Universal? What's City it? Walk. City Walk at Universal, which is really just a. Uh, a, a sort of mall fun time place, almost like a consumerist amusement park within Universal Studios, and it literally felt like Battlestar Galactica to me, like the oh, TV yeah. show. Yeah, like you walk in, it's in, enclosed in, in a, like a Buckminster Fuller octagon thing. Yeah, 
and there's all these like lights and, and, and businesses and classic hits being played by shitty cover bands poorly, yeah. which is where I had that realization that I said on stage last night, because the place was packed, and there was a guy playing classic hits, and they were just excited by, what I call it, efficient uh, familiarity. Familiarity, that's perfect. That was great. That was you a know, great it's bit. Like, yeah, they're not, it's, you know, it's that song we like, and they're doing it okay. Doing it, yeah. Having hey. a good time. Yeah. Ugh. It but, was even more packed when I left. It was when I left. Yeah, it was crazy, and, and it's and, all people in like their in their twenties, and they're you know the guys playing like he was playing Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, when I like by. why do you care? And John Lovitz's comedy club is no. a Hawaiian theme, and there's nobody there. The show runs late. There's about twenty people there. Well, I should say uh, the because everyone did their did their riff on the stage, you know, right? Uh, especially after you. But like my thing was the stage is Hawaiian. Like it, the 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 idea the guy pitched when they built it was all right. We want the stage to be completely Hawaiian, uh, with a, a it's got surfboards, a, palm trees, a badly painted a, a blue whale that's painted black, and a rattan framed big screen which yeah. they run your set on above your head above because your head. It, there's three tiers of audience and there's three tiers and that's my thing about the three tiers the front the stage is Hawaiian and then the audience area is equal parts Amadeus and Thunderdome. <laughs> Because it's like it's like you have these like baroque style uh, uh, balconies, yeah. but it looks like you're so close to the stage. It's like you're hanging on like barbed wire, yelling for Master Blaster to kill someone. You know, like it's not. You know, like oh my god, I just it's what so I so badly that, designed. I'm, I'm so glad that they they cluttered the stage so much because there's absolutely no possibility of a of a comic or performer owning the stage for himself. You right. will always be upstaged by the fake palm yes. trees. But nonetheless, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry I left before your set, but I'm sure it was fine. It was actually, I mean, it was okay. Like, they did that uh, announcement where they're like, if you valid your car, you have to leave. So we lost, like, right. 80% of the audience. Right. And I'm looking out there, and I'm like, oh, this is death. But then, like, John Vargas went up, and he did good, and uh, 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 Kyle Kinney went up, and he did great. And then I went up, and I did good. And it was, you know, there was a guy, some stranger came up to me after the show, and he was like, hey, man, I want to tell you, I'm really glad I stayed because – you know, when Mark went up there, it turned around, and then everybody left. But then you guys, you guys still went up there, and you still did great sets. And I was like, "Oh, thanks." Matt does a type of uh, comedy that is 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 very um, it, it, you're very persistent. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and 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 I like that because you know I personally don't have that skill, and there's not a, a lot of guys that do it. That you're one of those guys. You're like you know when you listen to a, a Stevie Ray Vaughan riff. Where you're like, is that the end of it? Holy shit, there's another minute. Yeah. <laughs> How did he find the time to find the phrasing to do that? You know, Matt will set up a premise, and then you're like, oh, that's funny, and are we done? No, we're not done. <laughs> we're going to keep going. I ramble. I do ramble. It's not rambling because it keeps. You know, you're you're very articulated in, in how you do it, but it's unique. Now, did you learn that in Chicago? Where'd you come? You know, yeah, you, that's that's that doesn't happen in Portland. No, no. And I like Portland. I'm well, not I'm not knocking Portland, but I I, never, I don't picture someone at your pace functioning in Portland. No, well, it's like I was always kind of a, what you know, a, like the song says, an excitable boy, mm -hmm. and so I have two. Do you uh, like Warren Zevon? I like some of his stuff. Everyone says he's a genius, and I, I keep, at different points in my life, I go back to it, and I'm like, I'm going to listen to all of it, but I still like the four or five songs I like. And yeah, I like those songs, and I think he was just a cool guy. Like, when he knew he was dying, he went to Letterman, and Letterman was like, you know you're going to die in a couple months. He's like, well, what's your philosophy? And he's like, enjoy every sandwich. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's fucking amazing. <laughs> that's so perfect, you There's know? There's a couple ones. Carmelita, is that the name of that song? Uh, yeah. That's a beautiful song. That's and, a good and one. Lawyers, Guns, and Money, Excitable Boy, yeah. Werewolves in London. Yeah. And now, like, and now that's the list I'll say, and I'll get emails. Like, what the fuck? You What'd you wanna... leave out? Yeah, this. everything. Yeah. 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 All but, right, so you're-, you're... Okay, so, uh, yeah, and then I, I've, you know, both my parents are teachers, so, you know, I was just around 
open-minded people in terms of learning, mm-hmm. in, in terms of in terms of enjoyment. I mean, they take me to plays, they do all this stuff, and I really, you know, I'm an only child. So as soon as I started acting, it was kind of kind of over right yeah. there. Yeah, it's like attention. You know, like George Carlin would say, it's all about dig me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. So when I uh, went to school, um, uh, when I went to college, you know, it was just doing acting and stuff. Now, let and me it felt kind of stagnant. As an only child, though, were your parents, yeah. like, when you said you wanted to go into to the arts yeah. or into show business, they were like, God damn it, we had one shot at this. Well, see, they were both <laughs> school teachers, so they know they knew about a risk anyway. Right. They're just yeah. like, well, hey, all if right. That's what he wants. Yeah, if you yeah. really want to do it, yeah. do it, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I remember at one point some weirdo relative or something might have mentioned something to my mom, like, well, what if it doesn't work out? You know, there's always that person yeah, that's just yeah. like, um, that's you know, all people which I hope I hope she said back to that back to that person like well life is completely uncertain you know that right we don't have any guarantees so and that person started what, crying yeah that, the house. that person slit their wrist immediately <laughs> uh, but and, and when, when I got to Chicago uh, it was it was hard to break into the acting scene but I just started taking improv and I liked that but it was also um, um, it, it was a strange it was a strange world where people were kind of uh, I don't want to say like like crabs in a barrel, but it was it's such it's a big scene, but a small scene where the it's like this tunnel vision to SNL and to like Mad TV or to whatever else to sketch, yeah, to and to 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 because th- those were the the proving grounds, and people would be like, oh, my plan is to be at Second City for a couple years, do main stage. I'm like, there have been there have been people there are people in Second City who've been there for ten years that haven't gotten main stage, you know, like maybe branch out. So I got fired for or I got kicked off my improv team. Because they added, I took the five levels yeah. of classes. There's five levels, is it? And they added a holy shit! It's like Scientology. Oh, with with Second City, it's like twenty. It's crazy. There's like, you know, one through. I mean, I'm. Do you have to go to a sweat lodge or take vitamins? No, no, you just you take the classes last like two months. Okay, so it's not that. Long, and does someone but... decide whether you make it to the next tier? Oh yeah. Oh do, yeah. Do they ask you for more money? Um, I mean, it's per per class you pay, and uh-huh. that that was the thing. I took all five classes, and my fifth was with Del Close. Who started improv? He was. Is he still alive? No, he died. He died months after I took a class because with him. he's the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't really. I, I don't know a lot about it. I, I enjoy watching improv when I when I come upon it. Sure. I don't seek it out. Yeah. No. I mean, I really. I'm. I'm so picky. Like, Did you I'll, know you were going to be a stand up though? But I mean, see, that's that... the thing. Once I got. Once I got. They added a, a six level, and I was like, I studied under Dell. I think I'm done that for now. For two. And they were yeah, and they were like, no, no, you have to take the six level. And I'm like, I don't have the money. And they're like, okay. And then after a couple of months later, they're like, oh, they're taking you off the team. So because you didn't have the money, because I, because I, yeah. And and I was like, and okay. you had an attitude. Like so I, was, I knew Dell. So I was like, yeah, no, no, I, <laughs> it wasn't even that. It was just like I don't have the. I would take it. I just don't have the money. Um, and I was like, well, fuck this. And so I started a friend. I went to see a friend do stand up, and the uh, the bouncer was like a five bucks, and I was like, oh, okay, shit. And then the the lady running the show was like, hey, are you Matt Bronger? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, Rob says you're really funny. Do you want to do a set? You get in free. And I was like, okay, and here's a drink ticket. And I was like, sweet. Great, I'm being paid. So I sat at the bar, and I wrote what I thought would be like a set, and I went on stage, and uh, the mic broke, and so I just put it aside, and I just started yelling at the crowd, and it went pretty well. But it was mostly because I had friends in the audience. And so that was like my first time, and from then I just, you know, started as they say, was hooked. Yeah, you know? well, that's interesting, because I think, you know, what's happened, and what I, you know, I have a hard time accepting, but I, I because, uh, you know, I've been beaten down by life enough... <laughs> Is that, uh, you know, when I started, you know, comics were very much gypsies and very much, you know, sort of self-driven, self-centered. And a lot of them were really just, you know, skirting the law. 
and yeah. you know and trying to get away with something you know as individuals <laughs> they were sort of you know mon, mon you know they were they were of, of onto themselves yeah and did not play with others you know or play well with others and now you have this whole generation of people that are coming out of sketch and and, and are proficient at sketch and also do stand-up that are actually you know well adjusted comparatively speaking well adjusted people to the generation comics i started with like which you know sadly but also you know for them in a good way really jives with show business yeah because show business is always about aligning yourself with a group of people that's coming up at the same time yeah. you are and and being able to play well with others and having you know and being a social animal yeah and i i think that that's why you get these well-rounded performers and, and i'm not saying that I, I i don't know a lot of comics per se stand-ups that come out of the chicago sketch scene because like you said most of them want to do yeah. movies and sketch shows right. and really neither do i Right. At this point, you know, you, you just want to do stand up. Well, no, no, I don't really know a lot of those people. Yeah, I, out of the scene. But but it's interesting that you went through that whole thing. So what did you learn in in that process that you can identify as having helped you on stage as a stand up? Um, you know, just just being being okay putting yourself out on a limb again and again and again with an idea and and going with it. You know, like if you if you get into you know, and, and you do this, I see you do this a lot. You know, when you you get a, an idea all right, of a just, sudden, yeah. you, then you're oh, let me riff on this, yeah, and not being stuck. I mean, you had a really great point last night about how you do a routine over and over and over, and then you're trapped in that routine, and then you're doing that routine, and you don't mean it in yeah. front of an audience. And you're a prisoner and inside. You're crying. Yeah, and I've been that person because I've been in front of crowds <laughs> where. I don't have anything in common with them, really. You know, right. like I'm, I, I'm in a part of the country I'm not ordinarily in, and people are there that think that, like, that, like, oh, god damn it, I love Applebee's, like yeah, that yeah. kind of thing, where you know, not to you know make everything very simple, but it is, it's you know, I'm doing stuff I know they're gonna like, and I'm having fun with it, but it's one of those things where it's like I'd rather be talking about this, right? But I don't, and the thing is, what I'm trying to make myself do is take more of that chance. And go ahead and talk about what I want to talk about, and try to bring them in more. Well, I think you that's know? well, I think that's uh, that 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 is how that's my creative process, and that is yours as well. And I I do I think that comics get very frustrated because there are really two types of comics. There are people like I've never written. You know, very rarely do I write a joke. No, like yeah. what happens to me is I have like hours of material, much of uh, of which I have forgotten over time. Sure, and I have to listen to my CDs to remember it. <laughs> but but what happens to me is that once I find myself in that prison of repetition, is that I will develop a type of self-hatred and a type of, of frustration yeah. where I'm like, you know, I got to go do every set I can until something, until it comes out of me. Yes. Until I get back into the present. Mm -hmm. And and last night was a, a sort of a breakthrough, you know, after I did, you know, for, I mean, not, you know, in a life sort of way, but in, in, in terms of a creative uh, jolt was that, you know, I've been doing a lot of these smaller shows, you know, under the, under the radar, just so I can put myself in the position to, to you know to just talk again yeah uh, like I do on the radio or on the podcast but to do it on stage and find out where my thoughts are and then let them organize themselves on stage and I think that that does come from improvising yeah no, but absolutely. I think a lot of guys don't improvise yeah they write the joke they do the joke they meddle with the joke they go try it again whereas me it's just an ongoing conversation sure and I think that what you were saying before is is something I'm starting to realize is 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 somewhat false in in the sense that you know we all have these assumptions about audiences yeah and, and, and yeah no and you're right i'm i think i'm wrong a lot too no I, I don't know if it's wrong i think that it's right to a certain degree but what i realized last night is that if you do if you're on a show where you've got a uh, you know you follow four or five guys that are just all bells and whistles you know all like la, 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 you know like you know yeah, just yeah, yeah, it, yeah. that 
that a tone is set in the room. Sure. And certainly, you know, if you're going to look at audiences as collectives of, of people representing, you know, the country, and a lot of people don't, you know, they, they, they don't know what to do with new things. Yeah. And they all prejudge. And if you think differently than them, you know, it's just like high school. They're going to be like, oh, look at this guy. You know, but, <laughs> but underneath those expectations is that if you can present them with something that they haven't thought of before yeah. and, 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 and they process it, they let it in, you, you connect on a, on a very human level. No, I mean, yeah. I think they're out there. That's what I'm after. But it, yeah, but it just depends on, you know, what the hell has happened in the room before. Sure. And, and also, you know, where you are. I mean, I, I think regionally there, there are some issues. And if, yeah. you know, if you're in the Midwest and you, you get up there and say, you know, well, Jesus sucks, am I right? And that's yeah. your opener. Then you're setting <laughs> yeah. up an obstacle. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing is not to go like, 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 I have my sword. Where's yours? Right. Let's fight. Yeah. I, you it know, took me a long time to learn that. You know, and I mean, there are times where I am like, you know, I mean, because you'll overhear conversations. You'd be like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. I mean, even in, even in Portland, where, you know, it's like this liberal bastion, sometimes, you know, it's, it goes way too far for me where I'm like, wait, that's crazy. You yeah. know, like yeah. I was in this pizza parlor and this yeah. guy's. You can't live on dirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't eat it with soy milk. It can't. No, and 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 this guy's like loud, and, and he's just like, "Oh man, did you hear Obama? You know, sent more troops to Afghanistan, which I wasn't cool with. Yeah. Anyway, but he's like, yeah, he's he's Bush too, man. Like, yeah, yeah. No, man, Bush too <laughs> was Bush too. <laughs> Fucking, what are you missing? You yeah. know, and it, it, so it, it's it, it can go on on a couple different levels. I think it's just, you know, you, I. I I don't want to assume people's ignorance, but right. sometimes people prove you're right. Well, you know? I just find that if you don't talk in the buttons that people hear or have set because of television, because of their political ideas, and you talk from your own perspective yeah. uh, and what your real point of view is on it, right. they have to take it. Well, which well, also, and it goes back to your uh, thing about um, what, familiarity. What was it? Oh, yeah. About the yeah, song? Uh, efficient Efficient familiarity. familiarity. That is huge for people yeah where if they're not watching a sitcom with a fat guy and a hot wife yeah they don't get it yeah you know so it's like you know yeah you have to kind of yeah. show them something new you know it's maybe hard. give them something they're kind of familiar with like oh i know they'll like this joke yeah, yeah i know yeah. they'll like this joke and i have fun doing this joke so yeah, let's yeah, do this yeah. joke you know but yeah it's it's funny that and, and the one great thing about uh, the thing about the prison of repetition is that once you do step out on the ice and you get that new five minutes, it just reinvigorates everything else. Oh yeah, like completely. it just you know, it blood goes back into the veins of yeah. all the stuff that you hated. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so true. So let's talk about you. Matt walked into my garage today with an actual record album. Yep, it's a it, it is a a an LP they called them. That's true. And it, and the, and that lettering looks familiar to me. This is an old disco riff, right? Well, it's actually like a riff on the Bob Seger album, right? Right, Night yeah. Moves. Oh uh, yes, they, well, like Stranger in Town. Right, right. So it's, on it's it. yeah. Matt Bronger. Soak up the night. Well, because I have a bit about uh, uh, fast food that you eat late at night when you're drunk, and all those places that act like people go there after two a.m. sober are ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. their function is for drunks to eat there, <laughs> yeah. and so their they, their slogan should be "Soak up the night," like soak up what you drink. So I was like, I'll call the album. That and a friend was like, That sounds like a cheesy 80s rock album name. And I was like, That's the cover. Yeah. So it's me, like, kind of making fun of the whole comedian as rock star mythos we've seen in the past couple of years, kind of thing. And like, uh, uh, if I if that was a rock album, I would be the biggest douchebag ever. Like, I mean, I just yeah, looking yeah, yeah. at you like that, yeah, and yeah. like, come on, soak up the night. And it's just nice to hold a record, yeah. Well, I, that's a dream come true, honestly, because you know, I grew up 
listening to comedy albums. And yeah, they were like, me too, yeah. You know, and, and it's just, now I have one. Sitting so there in your bedroom changing your life. You know, yeah. I you mean, just, I used to, you know, listen to uh, George Carlin's uh, uh, Class, Class Clown. Clown. Oh, yeah. That was my shit. And, and then you'd like bring people over. I used to yep. be like, dude, come over. And you just sit there with a friend and uh, you'd heard it like 900 times. You're yeah, just yeah. watching your friend. Uh-huh. And when he laughs, you laugh. Yeah, right? yeah, oh, absolutely. I just got a little tingle from that. Yeah. So now what's the what's the angle on this? So you, you, you've got the, now I've got the record and I yeah. appreciate it. I'll give you a, I'll give you my CDs, but now oh, I want awesome. to do a record. Oh yeah. Can we do one now? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so people get the record. Where can you get this? Comedy you can, Central record? You can go on, uh, mattbronger.com and order it on vinyl or you can just download it on like iTunes if you want and in the record itself you get a what is it is a download card basically so it's like the best of both worlds you get the LP but you also get a card that you put there's a code on it that's yours and only yours and you put that on my website there's a little box you type it in and it'll download the album to your computer you seem pretty happy I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm I'm leaving for uh, what Philadelphia tomorrow? Helium? Helium, yeah. Have you been there before? I never have. Nice, no. uh, nice room. I played there towards the beginning of it, mm-hmm. and before I understood the power of social networking. So, okay, it was an intimate experience. For sure. Me. Okay. Nice. Yeah. But, uh, but I don't know if they still put you up in the same place. Philly is one of the few, uh, uh, you know, older cities that actually I think had some success with the urban renewal thing. Oh yeah. And uh, so the downtown area is pretty lively. And it's, oh cool. And and you should go get you know the Philly cheesesteaks. Oh yeah. That oh yeah. Thing. Like Absolutely. go to the, the place. There's like two places. I yeah, there's Geno's. It's and like some, in Ron's or something. I don't know. So, I don't know that. I don't remember the names. I'm just making them up. But it's definitely worth going yeah. to get that. Oh yeah. No, I love I love cheesesteaks. I'll definitely be doing that. Do you like shitty bar food in general? I I do. I do. And I like this whole nouveau trend of bars making shitty bar food really good. Yeah. Like you know now now's the age of the good bar burger. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like Hell yeah. imported blue cheese. And yeah. I was like, why the fuck was this not going on before? You because know? they all assume that like, you know, it's bar food, we can just order it in boxes and throw it in the fry layer. Yes, exactly. Or, or you know, defrost the patties. Yeah. And and now like I really think that because of the economy and because of shipping and everything else that it's actually forcing restaurants to like actually buy fresh food and make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't just, just count on the fact that yeah. Yeah, because like even if you pay for the shipping of the shitty cheap burger, it, you know it's going to cost you just as much, and yeah. you might as well just you know cook the real shit. Yeah, and we're in the age where people are are are, are creating their own localized food sources. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that yeah. that can be a little cheaper for the local business person too. If I know? can figure out how to eat what I have growing down there, I'd do it. This is an amazing place. Thank I really like the, this the garage and the, the backyard and the trees and stuff. It's cozy. Know? Yeah, yeah, it's like a cabin. How long yeah. have you lived here? I've had uh, oh I've been here since two thousand and four okay. and uh, I fought to to keep the house and I kept it oh uh, yeah but I don't want to go into that <laughs> <laughs> I'm over th- see you woke up my Count of Monte Cristo I'm sorry you just woke him up well see okay just think about this the big thing was you didn't have to move that's right? right that's the big thing oh I know it's the worst that's nothing well, here, worse here's how sick I am it's like you know like because when when I thought I was gonna go broke and we were gonna have to sell the house anyways during the divorce I was like where will the cats live. I don't want to do that to the cats. Yeah. Like, I'm holding on to a not necessarily a great real estate investment because I like the house and I was concerned that Boomer, you might be lost. Sure. Yeah. yeah I can't. You know, well, he, and, and, you know, this is Los Angeles, so you have to be concerned with the psychology of the emotional stability of the cats. Well, you definitely. know what I mean? I, you shatter their psyches. Yeah. Already I have a, a disgruntled cat, Boomer, because I can't let him in the house because he pees on shit. Yeah. So see. he's got to live outside and I got to deal with that. Every night I hear him like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got to get him a cat therapist. Well, I got to give him another cat. Unfortunately, oh, okay. there usually you go. that's how it works, and yeah. then then the addiction starts. That is the therapy that that the best therapy, isn't it? Another what? person. 
just another person. Yeah, it doesn't matter who doesn't they are. Doesn't have to be someone in a nice sweater. No, no, just walk up to them. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that's why. Uh, you know, that I, I, I've, done, I've done that. I'm, I'm definitely a too much information guy. I don't, I don't think yeah. you are too. Like, like I could barely know you, and I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel a little fat. You know, I, the holidays, and do I look all right? You know, place people into uncomfortable, you know, positions to support whatever you're fucking talking. You about. know, when you're drifting off to sleep, feel like you're falling. I do that all day while I'm awake. <laughs> hey, okay. I'm Greg. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt Bronger, go find him. Uh, thanks for talking. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right, folks, here's the deal. I am in the parking lot of the Arclight Theater, which is a Scientologist-owned theater here in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, right at Coanga and Sunset. It is Sunday morning. I'm going to see Avatar. I don't want to see it. I still believe what I believe about it, that it was too much money, a waste of money, uh, uh, a, a dubious and almost evil waste of money, given the uh, climate that we are in. But I got some emails saying that, well, maybe you should see it before you judge it. And then I got uh, the email that really got me was that it costs that much money because it's so good, because it's got new technology, because, you know, why, why judge something like that? It may be the best ever. I mean, it, the, the money was well spent was the argument, given the joy, the joy that it's brought so many people. Joy. This is where joy comes from. I'm going to go sit down and take in a half a billion dollars worth of joy for two hours, because this apparently in the consumer culture that we live in, this is what joy is. Now, mind you, I am completely open to a spiritual experience at this point in time. Today, specifically. I woke up. It was beautiful out. I had my coffee, my vitamins, my lemon drink that I drink. I, uh, I got in my car at 8 in the morning, had a wonderful drive because there was no one on the street, and a beautiful day. I listened to gospel music on Pacifica Radio. I went to yoga. I went to yoga for an hour and a half. I am open. I am wide open to experience a half a billion dollars worth of joy. Think about the number of people it employed. Think about this wonderful new technology, this entertainment technology. Think about you know all the people it brought joy to around the world. I couldn't be more open for joy right now. And, I, and quite honestly, I am open to a spiritual experience. I listened to gospel music. I squirted out a few tears. Because the woman talking on the gospel radio show was sending prayers out to people that needed prayers. I went to yoga, bent myself and contorted myself into, uh, into just blasting open all my chakras. Now I'm in a car of the uh, Arclight Theater, Scientology owned, but we're not going to go into that. I'm not going to judge it because it is really one of the best facilities. I'm doing the 3D thing too. We're going 3D half a billion dollars worth of joy coming into my wide open third eye. I think we're going. All right, yeah. so I'm, I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm in the car right now with Kyle Kinane, mm -hmm. and uh, we just got out of Avatar. All right, I went. You bullied me into it. Not you, Kyle, but people who were, who were saying that I could not judge mm -hmm. a film prior to see i can't breathe i i'm having a hard time adjusting to the earth's environment and it's the atmosphere three three minutes out of avatar what we we, we 
pledged not to say anything from the time the movie ended. Everybody stayed to watch the credits because those were in 3D as well. My my mind's a little fucked up. I'm having a hard time adjusting to breathing. Really? Really? We saw, well, we saw it in 3D. It was it was pretty. Mm-hmm. It was definitely. Was it worth a hundred million dollars an hour? Was with was it three hundred million dollars? Is that the price tag of it? I hear that's the low end. That that possibly it's going to be higher than that. Could could they have spent more than twenty five hundred dollars on the script? Can I ask that much? Why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? 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 A, 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 an army guy saying you're not in Kansas anymore? That's where I checked out the first time. Okay. Well, there were definitely some archetypes. There was definitely, and I'm I'm using that word in in lieu of the word hackneyed. <laughs> That's generous. Hackneyed archetype. Hackneyed characters. What were, what were they? What were they trying to get that they couldn't get? I mean, it was kind of a vague name for something that you wanted to have, but it was difficult. Oh, that it was unobtainium. Unobtainium. Unob- because hard to giddyum, I think, was used in another movie already. <laughs> Tough to dig upium. <laughs> can't, fi- can't find any of them. <laughs> the stuff we want is under these indigenous people's homium. <laughs> Unobtainium. Go fuck yourself. Come yeah. on, really? I, I thought that that was a joke the first time he said it. And I guess we can't yeah. be too much of a spoiler. But uh, uh, $300 million, you could have paid somebody to come up with a better. You could have given me $100, I could have come up I, with a better word. For something you were looking for that was tough to get, other there's than ob- unobtainium. Unobtainium, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or uh, I hope there's some there or left them. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> not much left them. Un- unobtainium. But all right, but let's. Uh, I, uh, quite honestly, though, uh, the the triggers that it hit for me, you know, obviously it's a mythic story. Uh, it's a, you know tribalism versus corporatism versus mm-hmm. militarism. And there was a lot of political messages. There was an environmental mm-hmm. message, environmentalism message, which is why I got all this flack. It's like people are emailing me saying it's you know it's great because the message is good, and I understand that. And also, mm-hmm. like the the blue girls, very fuckable. Uh, unbelievably so. I was a little bit disturbed, but then when it was well, not, and I don't mean to uh, not to ruin, it, but they but they are much larger than a human person. And yes, when it, they interacted together, that could be that was hot. That's a, that'd be a terrifyingly large. And again, uh, again, if you have, I mean, if you have issues now about your body, imagine trying to. But they were still relate. in in the human realm, maybe two or three feet above. But it didn't look like that. You know, they were just taller. They didn't look well. Look, I don't want to objectify mythic blue people, <laughs> and 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 I don't want to be called a uh, a mythological sexist. But there there was definitely some hot sex uh, uh, appeal to this movie. Now, yeah, yeah, there was. Now, in in my first reaction to it is, I think that it was still way too fucking expensive. I think the story was fine, the technology was great, it was very beautiful to look at. And and I still think, you know, I feel pissed off that I spent that kind of money. I feel pissed off still that that kind of money was spent on that movie. And despite the fact that it was an environmental story, that it was an anti-war story, that that's how liberals rationalize, you know, ex- insane expenditures. It's hypocritical to think that a kid is going to walk out of that movie looking at the world any differently unless the parents tell them the analogy it's making to the world we live in here. But but is that strident? No, 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 no. I I would my argument is okay. It takes some crazy you know lunatic with a bunch of money like cameron to you know make now now this technology that he has developed for this movie i'm confident will be employed much better later on but it takes some loony to say i got millions and millions and millions of dollars let's do this i'm sure the first television was really expensive it's like who needs we got radio who needs to see the pictures this is weird 
This is that's how I'm trying to to rationalize this. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, I uh, my my it's feeling, not great, but I did as a movie. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. I'll say no, that. right. But I mean, my my point is, it's, it's still the expenditure. The expenditure doesn't necessarily justify the means. And I got this mm. email from a guy that says, "Well, aren't you taking into consideration how much joy it brought everybody? Do we have to pay a half a billion dollars for joy? Do I have to pay another twenty dollars and wear silly glasses for joy? I tell you honestly, I could add a deeper emotional experience, a deep human experience probably somewhere in this parking lot right now <laughs> granted it wouldn't have blue people it wouldn't last three hours but i think that the idea that that this technology is going to be the future of entertainment and the future of giving joy the price tag still too fucking high and i don't think that the message is going to be extrapolated by young minds unless guided that way well uh, yeah i'm not gonna the message thing that's uh that, that, that like uh, like i hated crash i thought crash treated me like i was a six-year-old right but to justify that you're making X amount, three, let's say, just for figure sake, a $300 million movie, it's going to have to appeal to everybody. And quite, They're not going to make a $300 million, or $300 million movie that only appeals to males 18 to 24. They have to make it uh, you know, to, to justify that much. That's why it's, it's a broad gotta, right, sweeping right, excuse. Right, right. But it's I think, a myth. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's like Star Wars. It's a great mythological it is. It uh, is. universe, great mythological figure. Quite honestly, though, uh, I, I cried more during Titanic. Did you did you cry at Titanic at all? Of course I did, and I cried a little in here. I'm I'm not uh, I I don't hold back. I'll squirt out a few tears. They were dribbling. My tears were dribbling under my two pairs of glasses. <laughs> One being 3D, and, and I and I cried 3D tears. <laughs> Those were real. Those were I real. I could touch them. I could taste them. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a pretty clear concept in the movie myself, where it's like, hey, uh, just because people have stuff you like, don't kill them for it. That's pretty. That's a general thing, especially if they have their own different color skin or their own identities. Yeah, yeah. In there. I think there's some basic lessons that that anybody could take away from that. that okay. You don't already. Okay. Know. All right. A half a billion dollars. What movie? Would you like to have seen? Did you think would it would deserve a three hundred million dollar price tag? I don't even know how much that money is. I mean, I, I'm amazed when mo movies cost thirty million dollars. That's I'm what, like, we, what we, we need to look. It? We need to look at what else in the world costs three hundred million dollars. What movie that you've seen? I mean, have you ever seen any? I mean, sure, not. I mean, Annie Hall isn't going to work in three D. I'm sure down the road that's what they're going to be doing. No, Woody but, Allen but, in two dimensions <laughs> is plenty. <laughs> We don't need a, a 3D neurotic Jew coming out of the screen. So I Nothing wanna, but nervous fingers poking yeah. at you the whole time. Yeah, I want to be, be able to touch his horn rim glasses. I get nervous. I do this thing with my hands. It's coming right at you. It's relatively disposable, this movie. You can see it as many times as you want. The, the story is going to be exactly the same, and I don't believe that you're going to get as much out of it if that money was better spent. But that's not... It's not James Cameron's uh, it's his money to spend on what he does you know right, let me, let like me, the money that you make you spend on what you do I try to spend very little money but but what I mean like if at, I had 300 million dollars I'd at, save most of yeah, it Yeah I mean but I like as somebody put it to somebody put it to me once the the fact that you can't afford something nicer to eat is the same kind of hurt that a rich kid gets when he gets the wrong color BMW for his 16th birthday he doesn't know the difference it's still the same pain because he doesn't know otherwise. I don't James Cameron doesn't. He makes big, retarded movies. Yeah, I, but I don't. I That's don't, what I don't, he does. It's not like, oh, but I could do so much with his movies. Like, no, I get money and I make big movies, and I get more money and then I make big movies. So I guess we just got to hope that they keep spending this amount of money to, you know, plunge, you know, huge 3D spectacular mind fucking movies into our head that we may or may not be able to draw analogies to real life with.
So you're definitely going to want me to pay you back for this ticket then. No. No, it's my treat, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was a good time. We had candies and drinks. Yeah, and I cried and got excited. And you and cry, I, you're, you must be an easy... I haven't cried since I saw the bucket list. I, oh, geez, yeah. That, <laughs> so but, that shows you how where my yeah, level Yeah, I squirted is. out a few. I think I cried during a commercial yesterday. I'm very Squirting fragile. out a few takes all the emotion out of you crying, by the way, saying <sighs> using that phrase. Oh, it does? <laughs> Is that? <laughs> Did you cry? Oh yeah, squirted, squirted, yeah, squirted on that out, one. Yeah, squirted out in a bunch of tears. <laughs> no, but uh, the Top Gun done pterodactyl style. Yeah, was definitely worth it. We can't be a spoiler. That was fun. anytime they showed. Yeah, anytime they showed military stuff in 3D, I got a boner. That was that was. Yeah, I, I would go see. A, I would go see a big dumb movie in 3D again. But it was pretty powerful. Would. That tree, and I, you know, we can't be a spoiler. No, but was, I, I, was, I will it, say I was entertained. I do stick by my original argument. I could have gotten the same emotional message in a deeper, more effective way on all levels in something that cost not even a fraction of the money. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy we have a new 3D technology because God knows when this earth becomes unbearable and no one listens to the message <laughs> of this movie, we're going to need some pretty powerful distractions to make us forget that we did that. All right, maybe you can pay me back. <laughs> Okay, folks, that's our show. I hope you dug that. It was nice hanging out with Kyle. Uh, That's the end of the Avatar discussion. Uh, I will comment a little more, perhaps, on uh, on Conan O'Brien and Jay Leno later. I'm just sad that, uh, you know, I had had a a set almost approved. It was approved, and then it wasn't approved, and now I sent new jokes, and I wanted to do the show. I wanted to make my Tonight Show premiere on Conan O'Brien. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, let's, let's get some plugging in. First, out of the gate here, I want to thank Justin and Brandy uh, for helping me uh, redesign some website stuff. That's right. I'm back at MySpace. I just wanted to have that. Like, I hadn't touched that thing in months because MySpace has become like a ghetto. And a couple of fans, uh, they helped me out. And if you go to their website, if you're into rocks, that's right, rocks, like minerals and shiny things, and quartzes and all that stuff. Uh, Brandy and Justin run a sort of uh, major uh, web vortex matrix of uh, minerals that are available. Things that are that are fun and pretty that you can put on your windowsill and make necklaces or earrings out of. And that's at the-bug.com, V-U-G.com. If that's your bag, check that out. A couple of other things I'd like to do. Uh, I'd like to tell you to go to WTFPod.com, get on the mailing list, get on, you know, follow us on Twitter, uh, get some Just Coffee. New merch is on the way. Nerdcock shirts are coming, and new WTF shirts are going to be coming. We're going to move it all over there, so it's a little cheaper. So go there. PunchlineMagazine.com for everything you need to know about comedy. They're, they're helping us. Go help them. They have a lot of good stuff there. If you're into comedy or you're getting into comedy, that's the place to go. PunchlineMagazine.com. Also, I will be in Seattle tonight, the 14th through the 16th. I'll be uh, up there at Laughs. You can go to uh, Laughs. What is it? Come on, Marin. You ought to know how to do this by now. Just write it on a piece of paper. Do that. Uh, The Laughs Comedy Spot, I believe. And you can go to uh, LaughsComedy.com and get reservations for that. Ah, yes. Live WTF January 22nd with Jeff Garland. Jimmy Pardo, Kate McCucci at the UCB Theater. 
uh, here in Los Angeles. You might need to get reservations for that if you want to go. Uh, that's uh, losangeles.ucbtheater.com. That's theater with an R-E at the end because that's going to pack out. And one more thing, or maybe two more things. January 28th, 7 p.m., Comedy Central stage at the Hudson Theater. I will be doing a television pilot presentation uh, for a WTF show. Not quite like this, but with the same title. You need to call 323-960-5519 for reservations for the WTF pilot presentation for Comedy Central at the Comedy Central stage, January 28th, 7 o'clock p.m. 323-960-5519. God, is that is that all of it? Should we do a Max Fun plug, May 7th through 9th? You want to do that? Jesse Thorne, Sound of Young America, uh, Jordan Jesse Go. We're going to be up there doing a retreat of, of, of funness. A fun retreat with Al Madrigal, Maria Bamford, uh, Jimmy Pardo, Andrew WK, May 7th through 9th, up there at Lake Arrowhead. You can go to uh, maxfuncon.com. Get involved with that. God, I think that's enough. What the fuck? Have a great weekend.